welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 34, Near-Death Experiences, DNA Activation, UFOs, Bigfoot, and Starseeds with James Gilliland. We're excited to have James join our conversation today and bring us a ton of interesting information. We first get into one of his near-death experiences where he was saved by the woman in blue. Later on, we're going to talk about the origin of man and what is the salamander gene? Is it possible that we have a gene that allows us to grow a limb back? It just isn't activated yet. That brings us into DNA activation and what is it and how is it done? We get into the science of it. And later on, we're going to get into more near-death experiences, the gates of dimensions, and of course, we're going to talk a lot about the Isetti Ranch that James Gillen founded. We talk about UFOs, Bigfoot sightings, and of course, starseeds. If you know you're a starseed, then you're going to love this show. And if you don't even know what a starseed is, well, you're about to find out. So let's jump into the episode and find out what James had to share with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again this week. I'm here with Lisa, Brian, and Michael will be popping in shortly. And today we have a really fun show. We are joined by James Gilliland, who is a best-selling author, internationally known lecturer, minister, counselor, multiple near-death experiencer, and contactee. He's a facilitator of many Eastern disciplines, a visionary dedicated to the awakening and healing of humanity and the earth, who teaches higher dimensional realities from experience. And he's recognized worldwide as the founder of the Gilliland Estate, also known as the Isetti Ranch, which stands for Enlightened Contact with Extraterrestrial Intelligence. James, welcome to our show. Oh, great to be on the show. Yeah, I I have only recently, in probably since last summer, found you and your work and what you're doing up at the ranch, and it's just mind-blowing in such a great way. And I'm just so excited to have you here on the show because I know our listeners are going to gain a lot of valuable information today yeah a lot of the practices we do are actually around losing your mind around <laughs> getting into that space the space of no mind where you get you know you transcend the body and the personality and you get into that multi-dimensional aspect of self so it's it's kind of interesting yeah you know what i love about you is that you really have a great way of melding science and spirit together and seeing the beauty within both. And so I kind of wanted to start a little bit at the beginning. Uh, and I know that you had a very near-death experience when you were five and you were visited by someone. Can you take the audience through that story? Yeah, that was fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard anyone in their bio or their introduction listed as multiple near-death experiences. So I can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, the, uh, well, what happened when I was five years old, I had bronchial pneumonia, and, uh, and but called my parents several times and told them to come in. They didn't think I was gonna make it through the night. And what was interesting is I had a woman that kept coming to me, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, and she would stroke my head and talk to me, and then, um, and then I'd pull through, you know, and then to the next day, just get me through. And I didn't know who she was, and she came several times. And then the last time she came, 
she gave me something that looked like ice cream, but it wasn't cold and told me to eat it. I think I know what it is now. I never, I didn't know what it was before because it's a long story, but I work with giant German uh, biophysicists and people with like nine PhDs and things. And so they've actually replicated some of these things. But uh, the, uh, uh, what happened is, is uh, I kept asking for the woman in blue who was the woman in blue that kept coming in and they said you're delusional because they all wore green they had green outfits in the hospital and and you know and so I kept asking for this woman and, and then once I ate that substance I, I was never sick after that I was I didn't miss a day of school you know it was wow. pretty amazing so that was my first experience well, wait a minute you you said you think you know what it is now you can't just leave put that big yeah yeah there. Well, it's, I'm working with a, a, a German biophysicist, and they've actually crystallized oxygen, and they stabilize it in room temperature. So they have a crystal form of oxygen, wow. and you can actually take a pill or eat it. And, and they also have a water. It's called Langenberg water, and uh, it has a microhydrant and has the crystallized oxygen suspended in the microhydrant. And when you drink this water, if you have an oximeter on your finger, it'll just peg almost immediately huh. and, and oxygen is the highest systemic antibiotic you can get you know you you know if you increase your blood oxygen and, and raise your body pH you'll even back cancer out of your system so uh, it's pretty amazing and, wow. and so this one scientist actually made this stuff and and uh, and you know I took and one time I took a couple of these pills they don't have them anymore because they ran into some problems you know with the powers that that were you know that are collapsing right now and and uh, they uh, they had to stop making it, but uh, you could drive. And uh, I just took a couple of these pills, and I drove from my place to to Nevada to speak at a conference. And uh, I was driving to like, like probably 17 hours, and uh, I got there, and I was totally awake. And I stood up, I stayed up with some of the other speakers that night, you know, and had dinner with them, and stayed up, you know, talking to some to the wee hours. Got up early in the morning and did my talk, and was fine, you know, but. Uh, I need that every day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we need to get that out. You know, soon I think it'll come back out here pretty soon. Fuck Starbucks. Let's put that shit out there. But that's yeah. why deep breathing helps keep you healthy as well when you're. Oh yeah, deep definitely. Breathing and oxygenating your blood. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm always I'm all for the shortcut. I gotta <laughs> stop and deep breathe. No, give me a pill. <laughs> well, the water's available. You know, if you go to LangenbergResearch.com, you can check out the water. That's that's still available now. Oh, I'm definitely going to look into that. So, okay, so do you know, did you know at the time who this woman was, or when did you realize who the woman was who came to you? I, I had no idea who she was until she started appearing to me later. And, uh, and, and you know, as a disclaimer, I want to say I'm not Catholic. I'm not religious at all. I'm, I'm more spiritual. But uh, it turned out to be Mary, like Mother Mary, and she does... She comes a lot to children, especially when they're sick and ill, and helps them, you know, cross get either cross over or get well, one or the other. But uh, mm. um, you know, I didn't, I had no idea who it was, and I, it was later when I was a little wiser. I, you know, I was having it's kind of a long story. I was having like telepathic conversations with her, and, and I figured out who she was. But she's not Catholic either. You know, she, <laughs> she's a universal being. You know, she's beyond religion. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I just had my own experience with um, people yesterday who 
thought I was Luciferian because oh. uh, <laughs> I didn't mention Christ in one of my videos. But um, yeah, it's it's in, it's incredible how religion can take something so pure and ruin it, basically. Oh yeah, you know you know a good person to have on your show is is Mihal Ledwith. Do you know him? No. He used to be an advisor to the Pope. You know, he was way up there in the food chain. Oh, wait, no, and you had him act- on your show recently, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I listened and to that. He, no, he's great. He's the, uh, he just brought out a new book, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. it was, I think it was called Saving Jesus, and uh, it's pretty interesting, and he gives the whole story, the true story, and he had access to all the catacombs underneath the Vatican and all that. And that's why he left the church. He said, you're not telling the truth. You're not telling the true story. Mm, and uh, and it, it's, a, it's a whole different story. And, and it's a very empowering story. Like, it empowers everybody. It, it doesn't put you in a dependency program. It puts you in an empowering program, you know, when you, when you read his work. His and Dan Brown. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you got to make these guys friends. You know, make them your buds. Don't, don't hold them so far away. You know, they're just a thought away. I completely agree. And I know Lisa does too. Um, I think that for me, I, I was raised Catholic, but I had a problem with the church very young. And because I remember just sitting there thinking, like, you're lying, you're lying, you're not telling these people yeah. the truth. And I didn't like how we were made to feel powerless and we had to look up to a power as opposed to be mm-hmm. parting, part of that power. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, well, yeah, I don't understand. You know, they swing around the incense and they speak Latin and nobody knows what they're saying. And, and you're just going, am I here? Now, why am I here? Am I here out of guilt or duty or, or how am I going to even know what they're saying or learn anything here? And, and it's kind of, you know, and, and I don't want to belittle any church or anything, but I just think a lot of the churches, one of their problems is, is that they are distracting people from making their own personal God connection. They're becoming the go-between, and then you pay them, and they tell you what's going on. And, and uh, it's really, it's 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 really a distraction, you know, from you doing your own work, you know, doing your own research, do your own meditation, you know, learn to heal yourself, all that stuff. Yeah, well, we the just... church doesn't want that because, I mean, if if you really look at it. We, we, if we go to a church, the biggest contribution that we make is financial. They need yeah. money. And if everyone started doing their own thing, the churches wouldn't exist because they wouldn't have any more money. Yeah, I, I always wonder, you know, if God's omnipresent, omnipotent, everything, uh, how come he can't balance his checkbook? You know, how can he just can't manifest, you know? <laughs> Whatever they need, you know, it's kind well, of well. Maybe like, he is because all these suckers are giving money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's the author of that Saving Jesus book? Uh, Michal Ledwith. It's M I C E A L, and it's L E D W I T H, I believe. Yeah, he talks about he talks about the hamburger universe, and he said, you know, we have heaven above us, hell below us, and we're stuck in the middle. Yeah. And and he said really. It's it's a multi-dimensional experience, and it's so much bigger than that. And even our history is wrong. The the origin of man, the the history that we've been told is wrong. And and we actually we didn't start in Africa. We started in Australia, which is another 
a long story, but um, you know, the origin man actually began in Australia and had everything to do with ships and uh, visitors. You want to go into more detail on that? Because that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to <laughs> well, hear about that. There's, there's a place called Gosford Glyphs, and if you go to this place, and it's the Strongs. Uh, if you type in Gosford Glyphs or the Strongs, they've done the most research on it. And when I went to Australia, I hooked up with the King of the Raven tribe, Brendan Murray, and these other guys. And we were doing things together, and I was seeing all these things happening on other dimensions and explain it to them. And I kind of blew their minds, and so they brought me into the fold, and they started showing me. You know, we have in East Eddie, Australia over there now, too, as well. But uh, they showed me the, the origin of man, and it's, it's all written in stone in the Gosford glyphs. And it's, it's a combination of, like, hieroglyphs, uh, star glyphs, and petroglyphs. But the people that know hieroglyphs can read them. And it basically starts out, and it just says that, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this massive ship comes down, and there was a man developing here naturally, a knuckle-dragger, they call the Denisovian man. Some people call him Neanderthals, things like that. And they added their DNA to this guy, jumped his DNA up, and then, and then they talked about other star nations coming in, and... and this a lot of this stuff was happening believe it or not almost 600 million years ago there mm. was people here on the earth with boots you know wearing boots and they've smashed trilobites and things like that human boot prints you know they they know you know archaeologists know that our history is incorrect but you know most of our stuff goes back that we have recorded to 450,000 years ago with the Anunnaki and they actually came from ancient library they're very tall and they had the cone heads, you know, they're very tall uh, beings. And then they were doing hybrids, you know, and half human, half Anunnaki. And other people jumped in the mix. So the, the true story of Earth is that there were several colonization programs, <coughs> excuse me, that happened here. And they had to start over because of pole shifts and huge natural, <coughs> excuse me, disasters. And... Uh, and, and we're just a big genetic zoo down here. Uh, we're like a galactic zoo of both human, plant, and animal genetics. And that's why the Earth is so important right now. So when so you know, when we ask him, what's the difference of, of, you know, looking at some hieroglyphs or whatever on rocks versus reading some old scripts on, say, Adam and Eve? Not that I believe in either. But, like, yeah. to me, it's just like, how do you back up either one? Well, you know, if it's written in stone and they've dated the stone, it's pretty pretty obvious. But well, they can also know, they date have their script too. It's like that. so. I'm just not trying. Well, I mean, I'm trying to figure script. out what makes you feel so confident. That's just not like a story that people you know put on a rock. Well, I mean, it. it's in their legends as well. But if you take, let's say, you know, <clears throat> these uh, these parchments and things like that. They don't last very long. Most of them, you, you just get a little piece of the story here or there. Now, if you, if you want to go by the Bible, basically the Bible was taken from a whole room full of books, and uh, they chose which books they'd make into one canon, you know, under King James. And basically they're a little slow in putting it together, so we whacked a couple of their heads off, and they got it together really quick. So, so that's the canon, you know, the Bible that everybody is, the King James version. Yeah, but I just don't, just, I guess I don't see the difference of believing uh, Adam, like an Adam and Eve type storyline versus a, a storyline that you're saying is all. Well, no, I mean, it is an Adam and Eve story, but um, the only difference is God was a highly 
a very advanced being, not, you know, when, you, when people use the name God, right? The God, they have the bearded gods. Everybody, all these religions have a bearded God attached to it. Well, who created them? And, and, and if you're worshiping this bearded God, you're actually worshiping one of the ancient ones that came here that colonized the earth a long time ago. They call them the Anunnaki. And there's references to them all throughout the Sumerian text. And it just means those who came from heaven to earth, those who came, landed on earth, and started uh, doing a lot of experimentation. You know, it, it's just, for me, I, I never really believe in Adam and Eve, even when I heard it from the start. And I get the same gut reaction when I hear something like this. Well, who, who I mean, you always, think this... about this? You got Adam and Eve, right? And then you got the two kids, and Cain and Abel, right? And then they, one of them kills, I think, was it Abel? I can't remember. I think Cain Abel. killed Abel. Cain killed Abel, yeah. He got one guy left. Who who did he have sex with to procreate? Oh, no. I, I, I like, like like I said, I debunked that in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is... Your common sense is, that you're saying. But to yeah, me, this, like, it's like that, that was just a written legend, just exactly. like what you're, you're saying, too, is a potential written legend. And, you know, let, I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining in my mind a bunch of people just you know looking up at the stars trying to figure out where they came from and they're like hey look think about this story oh that's a great story put it down on a rock yeah. you know that's kind of like what i'm thinking well and also yeah, how long has that rock been there yeah that rock's been there thousands yeah. thousands of years but well also, i shouldn't have said the rock i meant the carvings on the rock yeah yeah, yeah but, but that but the date really doesn't matter if, if you're if you're following what i'm trying to say well, well i'm following you but what i'm saying is that um I mean, you could throw everything out if you want. I mean, that's fine with me because well, I have an attachment to that. I'm just, but so I'm just you're, looking you're, at research. I'm looking at – you look at Michael Tellinger's work. You're looking at um, a lot of these other Egyptologists, their work and everything else. Um, yeah. uh, a lot of Zachariah Sitchin's work, you know, the, the ancient Sans, Sanskrit, the ancient uh, Sumerian text, all that stuff. When you, when you research all of that together, they're all saying the same story. And they're talking about these beings that had amazing powers. They, they most of them had beards. You know, they had ships. Some ships were physical. Some were pure energy. Some were light ships. And they all had different qualities. They had different armaments on them. And it's all, you know, it's written on clay tablets, basically, that God knows how old they are. But, you know, Michael Tellinger has done some great work on this. Uh, you know, and he talks, he's one of the latest people that covered all of this. But, uh I wonder you know, why they had beards, because that is an image that you rarely see attached with beings from off our planet is facial hair. That's I don't know why that just struck me as odd. Well, I'll tell you why, because there's multiple beings. There are there are beings like the little greys with the black eyes. They're not really part of this our group, and uh, they're from a whole other system. And then you've got some rep reptilian beings, you know, and then you've got uh, all different types of beings out there. You even have feline beings. They're all written in history, and they made, you know, stone stone statues to them. And then you have a people that look a lot like us, only they're a lot taller. You've got the cone heads. They've got their bones. You know, they've got their skulls and everything. Uh, you know, all of that's there. And and but you know, it's like what happens is I've got like 36 years research into this, and and uh, after a while, when you put it all together it tells tells a story and it all fits together and when right. you, you hang out with the aboriginal elders and you hang out with the native american elders and 
you start hearing their ancient stories. I mean, they, they all point to the Pleiades. All of them do and say that's where we came from. Huh. You know, so why would they all do, do that if there isn't some reality or some basic truth to that? And and actually the Palladians were the ones that started the Atlantis and Lemurian colonies. They were the originators of those two colonies, which actually fell, you know, due to misuse of technology by the Atlanteans. Kind of like we're doing now. So you you're when you say like the people have been here for like six hundred million years, they do they have the instrumentation to um tell from these carvings like that it goes back that far well there's a guy michael cremo and he has a book called forbidden archaeology and it's all the archaeology that um that it's like they call it oops art and things like that the stuff that they tried to keep out of the smithsonian and and keep out of the story because it doesn't fit in <laughs> and, and you know they have ornate jewelry that was made you know that's five hundred thousand years old they have uh million you know lumps they have things stuck in lumps of coal they've have they found diodes you know actually electronic parts um you know i can go on with all the things that they found and they've michael cremo's work he's taken it up to 600 million years where you know there's boot prints that have smashed trilobites so um this is all documented you know in alternative archaeology you might say or the people that are not trying to fit everything into the mainstream story. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so here's a question. You talked about how we've had multiple different beings coming down to this earth and um, I guess fiddling around with the DNA. What would be, mm -hmm. what would be the purpose of these beings doing that? Well, one of the things is that when the first beings, the ancient Lyrans, those are the really tall ones, the bearded gods, when they started adding their DNA to our, to our DNA, the knuckle draggers that were here earlier, um, now you've got the DNA of the gods, right, <laughs> mixed in with human DNA. And that's why we're so important, because these other guys want the DNA of the gods, you know, so they can do their tinkering. But uh, there's a lot more to the story, but uh, life is just precious, and and we, we don't realize it, but we have have uh you know the junk dna that we have in our body is not junk it's just not activated and once those things start getting activated a lot of crazy things start happening you become telepathic you can start by locating you can activate the salamander gene which actually you can re regrow an arm um and you know i've worked with biophysicists that are working on this right now and uh and you know they can validate all of this so they've who, they've who has grown regrown an arm um, that gets into another story. Look into the secret space program. They have that technology right now. If they have somebody that's hurt or loses an arm, they can actually, it's almost like, a. you know, right now they're printing organs. I right. mean, that's in the mainstream, mainstream news. They're printing organs. It's that same technology. They can take your DNA and print, you know, an arm if they need to, or even further. They said they wow. basically just need your brain functioning and they wow. can reprint your whole body if they need to. So they've isolated a gene called the salamander gene, which allows people to regrow their limbs? Exactly, and it's not activated. But that same gene, when you activate it, you're going to live longer, you're going to be healthier, because your body's just going to keep, you know, fixing itself. I wonder if I could lick my eyes with that gene. Probably. 
Oh, God. So, um, okay. I've heard this as well that, you know, uh, we've, our DNA strands have been deactivated to down to two, which basically completely dumbs us down and makes us slaves, um, not allowing us to reach our full potential so that we Mm -hmm. can, like you said, have these gifts of telepathy and things that make us much more strong and um, harder to manipulate. So is it, I've heard different things and I'm curious what your take is on it, James. I've heard that, or first I heard that we were like, we originally had 12 strands, um, but then I've heard that there's more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stories about that and, and having the luxury of working with these geneticists, um, you know, he was looking at my DNA and things like that. And, and I, I don't want to go in there because it, I don't want to say I'm special or anything, but I, I have a lot more activated than most. And uh, I don't know if it's a near-death experience or the reason I chose to incarnate here or what, but how that happened. But uh, we can reactivate a lot of that DNA, and it's already being reactivated now. The sun is actually doing it, you know, and uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways of activating that DNA. Now, if you study the DNA of a lot of the yogis and lamas, they have more codons activated. And their DNA goes through a change, and, and that's been, you know, researched and, and uh, studied. But, you know, I'll tell you something, too. This is really an interesting concept. You can actually take DNA and water holds DNA, and you can transfer DNA with a laser. And uh, you can send a, a frog DNA through a salamander egg, and that, and that will become a frog. Or either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's cool. they have that tech, You have that technology now. So if you have an advanced being, how hard would it be to take their DNA and just shoot it right into us or into an embryo, and then we're going to come out a whole different animal. You know, we're going to have a lot more DNA activated and things like that. And that's been going on for a long time. And when they do that, those people, when they, when they are raised here, especially within society, they go, what am I doing here? I don't fit in. I don't belong here. You know, why do these people behave this way? And and uh, they're just operating on a whole different frequency. Okay, Nicole, so this sounds like a legitimate version of DNA activation versus the 1-800 number DNA activation that you want <laughs> <Yeah>. to <do. laughs> what? That's okay. <laughs> Explain why you say that, Brian. Because you told me to get to have my DNA activated and I had to call somebody and there, there was nothing scientific about it. I'm, I mean, we're, we're talking about science here versus I call somebody on the phone and she does, you know, she can activate me over the phone. And that okay. But that's also an option. It's not saying that it's one or the other. Why can't it be both? Because the one way sounds legit and the other one sounds like <laughs> uh, it's $3 a minute. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that you kind of want to avoid. And I, I don't want to bash anybody or anything else, but, you know, there's a lot of claims being made. I see these people that have these avatar programs, you know, and for four or $5,000, you can go there for the weekend, you come out like an avatar or things like that. And I go, well, I think it's a little more to it than that. And, you know, even the secret, you know, the, the thing about the secret, you know, the real secret is if you don't heal your stuff, if you don't go back and clean up your childhood and everything else, you're not going to manifest squat deadly you know so you gotta 
get, you got to go in there and clean up your past and clean up all the wounds and traumas and wrong conclusions from past experiences. And, and then you can start, you know, you know, really working the energy. But, you know, a lot of these things are, are very, uh, they're very expensive and they're like drive through. It's almost like a McDonald's, you know, you can drive through and you're an avatar or you're a master, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. I've, I've got 36 years intensive study with llamas and yogis and elders from all over the planet and research, scientific research as well. This makes sense to me. I mean, it really, I can, I can really get my head around this and I never could the 1-800-DNA-activation-RS. I just... Yeah. Okay, first of all, it's not called that, but you're totally taking the piss on that. So, but I, I get it. So, you know, like... And it's a toll call. It's not an 800 <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm curious because you said you've had multiple near-death experiences. What was your other one or more? Well, I was, I was 25 and I was out in the ocean and, and, uh, I was out body surfing. There's about six foot waves going on. And the next thing you know, they're like 25 to 27 foot waves. And, uh, there was no way to get out, get around them. You know, they, they actually sucked the water out when they came in. And so... Anyway, I got caught in that and got slammed by three waves, and I finally just gave it up and uh, went through that tunnel everybody talks about. And I didn't stop to talk. I just went right straight towards this golden light. And I saw all these levels that I went through, and I ended up in what they call the plane of bliss. And when you're in that level, you're a light being, but there's a greater consciousness and light around you and energy. And and I had a conversation with it while I was hanging out there, but... That was the big game changer for me. That totally changed my reality. So how did you come back? Well, I, I had a conversation with it. The first thing I said, how can I stay? And it came back to me. It was like a telepathic message. And it came back and it said, I never told my ch children when to come or go. That's free will. And then I said, well, how can I earn the right to stay? And it came back and said, you can't earn what is given freely and unconditionally. And I go, wait a second, I've been given this image of this wrathful God with a laptop taking notes, and this guy doesn't even have an ego. You know, he can't judge. It's whatever it is. It's not even a he. It's just pure consciousness and energy. And and so the next thing I asked was, uh, uh, how can I serve? Because you're so grateful when you're in that energy. It, there's no words for it. It's just pure bliss. And uh, I, it, it came back and it said, what do you want to do? What brings you joy? And I said, you know, I want to come back and teach people about the true nature of source, you know, what it really is. And I heard, as you wish, and the next thing I know, I was back in my body, and they're pulling me in, you know, and pulling me up on the beach. But uh, that was my experience with it. And then since then, it's like the gate's been left open, and I've been going up and down the dimensions and experiencing, you know, the other civilizations, the multidimensional civilizations out there, uh, you know, different, you know, and it's it's a pretty interesting thing to navigate you know there are levels you don't want to go into and you really need to know how to maintain your self-authority and how to heal unseen negative influences but there's higher levels that are just beyond imagination they're just pure bliss when you connect with these beings why do you think death is always that or maybe not always why is it often that gateway why isn't just it 
I'm in my house and meditating. I, and I, I mean, yeah. Why, yeah. why, why do I have to almost die to have this experience? Why can't it be a near life experience? Well, it can actually. And, uh, we actually put people through near life experiences at the ranch because that energy is transferable. And, uh, and so basically you don't have to do it that way. Um, if, if you want to put the time in and do your meditation time and, keep your energies clear and, and uh, not get weighed down with all the craziness of this world. Um, you can have those experiences. You know, the lamas mm -hmm. and the yogis do it all the time. They, if you go in and, and uh, hang out with those, you know, they'll show you how to do it, but you really have to de dedicate a lot of time and energy into that. Yeah. I, so I was going to say, I've experienced that briefly, very briefly, mm -hmm. but uh, I was in meditation when I experienced and I was out of a Vipassana course and i'll yeah. never forget it. it was day four i remember it was in a two it was a two hour meditation and the time that was two hours felt like 10 minutes i've never been at more peace with myself with all that is i might didn't experience my physicality anymore i was just energy um and i it was the most like you said, it was the most blissful, but not overwhelming blissful, not like excited blissful, like very peaceful blissful. And yeah. um, it completely shifted me and it opened up my perception when I came out of there to try so many new things and led me down a very um, spiritual path for um, after that. So it is, I, I agree with you. It's completely possible to attain it. I think it's just it's the near death ones that really are exciting to people who haven't experienced it. So, yeah, yeah. It's a crash course, you know, and you weren't really ready for it when it happens, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I almost felt like that whole thing was orchestrated too, to get me on my path. Cause you know, when that happened, I was actually in commercial real estate I had my own office. I had people working for me and everything else. And I was very materialistic, you know, very left brain. And that just turned my world upside down. I, I just went on a journey after that and, you know, gave away a lot of my stuff, sold the office and, and, uh, and went out and I lived in the redwoods, you know, got a tent and cause I couldn't function. I couldn't function in that world anymore for a while. It took me a long time to get grounded again. What led you to Washington? Well, I kept having visions and, uh, I was actually teaching self mastery courses and inner sensitivity training courses and in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, I kept having visions, and I saw this huge mountain, a beautiful mountain. I saw a river, and I saw a little mountain uh, behind it, and I couldn't figure out why the little mountain was so important. And in the visions, I kept seeing a little mountain written across the top of the vision. And I go, this makes no sense whatsoever. And what's funny is I threw the map away. I actually took a map, and I used a pendulum, and I divined where it was on the map. I threw the map away and forgot about it, and I ended up in the same spot anyway. With the place that you divined with your pendulum? Yeah. The place that you are now? Exactly. It's like oh. the universe kind of, you know, things are planned out a lot of times, and if you pay attention. But, you know, I, I just delayed it a little bit, but I ended up exactly where I was supposed to be anyway. But what's funny is that the place... It's on Little Mountain Road. That's the name of the road that it's on, <laughs> which, is, which is where Little Mountain came in. It didn't make any sense at the time. Which would explain why it was written, because it was probably on a sign. Yeah, exactly. 
So how did it, um, Isetti evolve into what it is now? Well, you know, when I first got there, I had a vision and I was just creating a, a healing center. I wanted to use, you know, the latest, uh, you know, therapies, you know, both spiritual and mental and emotional and, and actually physical, you know, therapies out there, <coughs> excuse me, for the planet. And uh, that was my beginning goal. And, and so, you know, I was building it and I was out there in the middle of nowhere building this big arc out of a bridge. You know, that came across the river and the house is actually built out of an old bridge but uh, the, the main main house anyway but the uh, people kept you know going who's this crazy guy out there building this ark out in the middle of the field and you know the old saying if you build it they will come you know I used to say what they really said is if you build it you were dumb because nobody was coming but eventually, you know, people started coming. They started feeling the energy there, and they, they started doing I was doing a lot of counseling work, and I was teaching classes, and and uh, it just kept building and building and building, and I just stuck with it, stuck with the vision, and, and now we have thousands of people coming up to the ranch. When did the um, UFOs start showing up? That's an interesting story. I was doing an all-day meditation, and... And I was sitting in this meditation chair and I was telepathically having a conversation with these beings. And I felt this pure love and joy again, very high, high beings. And I was asking them what, you know, where, where are you coming from? I was trying to figure out what dimension they were coming from. And they said, we're on the fifth and some of us are in the sixth, you know, that we work together. And, uh, and I said, really? And I said, uh, you know, it made sense to me, feeling the energy coming from them. And then they said, actually, we're on a ship. And and then I go, okay, I'm losing it now. I'm I'm getting ungrounded. This is my imagination. I'm going to break this meditation and go out and plant some trees and get grounded. And so I, I walk out the door. My sister and her friends came running up, banging on the door. And they said, did you see it? Did you see it? And I said, see what? And they said, there's a big light ship right over the house at the time. And so that was my first experience where I, I had to kind of integrate these higher dimensional beings with my other spiritual, uh, you know, you know, they're all throughout the ancient religions. They're replete throughout the ancient religions. And I had to kind of integrate it then with my spiritual practices because, you know, it's not just Jesus, Buddha, Mary, Babaji, Kuan Yin, you know, the masters that everybody knows. It's, uh, you know, if you've got Palladians, you've got the Orion Council of Light, you've got Andromedans, Arcturians, uh, all these other beings. Uh, you've got beings that are a collective. You know, they all have the same names. They call them, one group, they call them the Laka, you know, and they're like 13th dimensional beings. But, uh, you know, I had to, you know, over the years, I had to integrate all that and then start really understanding that, you know, what we've been told about who we are and our origins and the origin of man and and our true nature that we're not just a body and a personality we're a multi-dimensional spirit that has a body and a personality uh you know i had to just integrate all that and over the years that you know i finally figured it out and you know i finally figured out the whole universe it took me forever and what i figured out was it all fits perfect into the great mystery <laughs> Because you know? <laughs> uh, you'll never figure it out. You, your mind, you cannot capsulate this in your mind. It's not big enough. The intellect is not big enough 
but you have an emotional body, you have an etheric body, you have these other spiritual bodies where you can grasp this. But, you know, it's like, how do you capsulize God in your intellect? You know, you can't because the best thing we can do is get an image of a little old man with a beard and a laptop taking notes and a lightning bolt, you know, getting ready to punish people. And that's the program that we've been sold down here. So it, it sounds to me like it's, it's you. And, it's, uh, and, I, and, and I hate to say the word supposed extraterrestrial activity at, at, at your ranch. Um, and, it, you know, again, I, it's, it's such a hard thing to put your, your finger on unless you've experienced it. And I would say most people haven't, and that's why I think it's hard for most people to put their finger on it. But just listening to your story, it really sounds like it's connected to you. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely it is. Well, I've been them. I have full memory of actually being them. They brought back those memories. And so uh, it's we've all, you know, we're an eternal soul that has a body. You know, we're in these multicolored multicultural meat suits down here but the truth of the fact is that we're a soul that soul is eternal and it's been all over the place and so you know we've been you know every race on the planet we've been other off-world races we go we actually go all the way back to the source and our highest body where we're totally one with the source and it's it's hard to explain but on on a basic nuts and bolts level we we do have triple phd boeing engineers and Lockheed Skunkwork engineers and, and Air Force base commanders and pilots and air traffic controllers and people that have come to the ranch and they've given testimony and they've seen these ships and they, they said, you know, these things are landing, morphing into three, back to one, uh, making right angle turns at several thousand miles an hour. They said, these aren't ours. They go, we don't know who they are, but they're definitely not ours. Yeah, you've, you've had like um, people up there, from what I understand, who uh, I think it was with A and E, who were up there, and then they were contacting oh, yeah. people from NASA and and confirming that it wasn't their ships. Yeah, yeah, we had we had uh, J Tracker and we had Heavens Above, both sites open, and you know we proved it wasn't the um, it wasn't you know Evastat or the space station or the shuttle or iridium even, flares yeah iridium flares or the tool bag that they dropped we had all the data right there and uh, and we had uh, um, we've had so many people come up there that have done the research and, and proven that you know they're not ours I mean Jimmy Church brought his people up uh, with uh, fade to black and coast to coast we had uh, uh, Clyde Lewis came up and he brought his engineers up and they were looking at all the data. And uh, I'll tell you a little story about Clyde Lewis. You got, you had to ask him about his story. He had a encounter with, this is really off the story here, but he had an encounter with Bigfoot while he was there and it turned <laughs> him upside down and he didn't want to talk about it. He said, nobody's going to believe me. I'm not going to talk about it. And I said, Clyde, I go, I got the, I got the photographs of the footprints and we have a juvenile Bigfoot that, that hangs out up there, and he likes to turn people upside down. He likes to run up to them and skid and stop and smile and then run off. It's a game he likes to play. And he's done that quite, with quite a few people and very well-known people. So it's and very it's very funny that you just brought this up because I've told this to Lisa. 
And uh-huh. one of the reasons why I feel so compelled to come up there this year is because I feel very connected to the Bigfoot and I've had them yeah. show up in my meditations um, where there's a very like compassionate that we're hugging. It's almost like there's transference of intelligence coming in or downloads through these interactions. Yeah. And um, I just think and I know I've listened to your show where you've had people come up and say they've heard the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And they've seen Who- it. Who yeah. are the Bigfoot? Where are they from? You know, we just had, uh, uh, there's a woman there um, that did, it's on our YouTube, um, Tiffany is her name, and she was there with, um, Peter O'Toole's son was there, and they had an encounter with Bigfoot. It's on the, uh, it's on, I think it's on the East Eddy Stargate on there. It's pretty funny, but, uh, and he saw like multiple ships while he was there, and you can hear him talking in the back. In the background with his English accent, you know, he's, he's going, oh, my God, you know, like this. When these <laughs> ships are flying in seven at a time. It's pretty funny. But we have a lot of those. But, you know, there's there's so many people that see it. Now, the Native Americans have a story. And, you know, their ancient story said, you know, some are very benevolent. And, you know, the, the old ones weren't so benevolent. And the benevolent ones helped them get rid of the other ones. But uh, there's a benevolent lot of Bigfoots. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a lot of different stories. I think, now we found some hair up there and had it analyzed by a fiber specialist and a forensic guy, and it was about three, almost four feet long, perfectly hollow, and he said that we can't manufacture this. He said, what is this, alien? You know, and he said it's silicon-based, and it has other trace mineral in it, but it's perfectly hollow. So and what is, where is Bigfoot from? Well, here's my theory is, one, it's part of the human experience that evolved in nature. And just like shamans and things like that can shapeshift and disappear and biolocate, uh, that, you know, live in nature, they have those abilities. They've been around for a long time. I've watched them just phase out right in front of me and just and disappear, so I know they can do that. And then um, I also think there is one that's like uh, an android that the off-worlders use like as a big bad dog, you know, and if they're doing some, some very sensitive work in an area and they need protection, they have, have this guy running around because, you know, the hair was, was not, uh, you know, it was manufactured basically the hair that we found up there and and nobody could explain it. They, their first words were, what is this alien? That was the first thing they said, you know, and, uh, and they didn't know who you were, what you represented. No, no. And, uh, the we there are areas like I know where Bigfoot hangs out and I don't tell other people where it is because I think they're their own nation and they need to be left alone. Uh, you know, a lot of people go up there just for their ego and try to become famous. And, you know, some people might even want to hunt it just to shoot one, you know, so they can. It know. is America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I don't tell people I, I know where they hang out. I could go up there and and uh, but the Native Americans have a saying. Uh, if if you go to find Bigfoot, you'll never find it. But if it wants to find you, it will. So so they're going to tune into your energy and kind of read you. And if you're not at a certain frequency, or if they don't feel a lot of love and joy and compassion, they're there. You'll never see them. And how how much does that tie into everything we talk about here? It's all about well, the more frequency. yeah. Well, it's all about frequency. So, 
your base emotions like fear and guilt and anger and things, that has a really low frequency to it. And when you get up in the higher frequencies, you have love and joy and bliss and service to others and, and things like that. That has a higher frequency to it. So the more you drop your old wounds and traumas in the baser frequencies, the more you rise in frequency, the more you rise in frequency, you're going to have these experiences. They're going to make themselves known to you. But it's, you know, we live in a vibrational continuum. It's all about raising your frequencies. So is that why there's so much activity at your ranch? Are they because of your own frequency? Well, the ranch itself is a stargate. It's like a, a vortex. It has extremely high energy. And there's the veils between worlds are very thin there. So when people come there. Why do you think that is? Um, it's kind of, it had that energy before I got there. It was like a sacred place or a power spot. And, you know, over the, <clears throat> excuse me, the years we've been there, We've been doing a lot of ceremony, a lot of meditation, a lot of process-oriented therapy, and and you know at and you know that goes into the land. So uh, we've had uh, elders from all over the world come there and do ceremony and and bless the land and create medicine wheels and things like that. So well, why you know, do you think this wasn't an important Native American site? Oh, it, probably, it was. It was at one time. But it goes back even further. It was actually an ancient Lemurian site. So, so it, it's it goes way back. That makes sense because um, for people who meditate, it's suggested that they always meditate in the same place because you anchor your energies there, and it becomes easier and easier for you to um, raise your frequency because of that area, which is what you're doing at the ranch with all your ceremonies. Yeah, yeah. We have if you go into the the galactic medicine wheel. That energy is so strong, and there's a gate for each star nation. And if you have star family in your lineage, in your spiritual lineage, and you walk into that gate, I watch people just hit the ground and start crying and have huge openings and awakenings. When they go into there, we have another mound. We call it the Lemurian Mound, where it's very ancient. There's a place there you can feel real strong. There was an old Lemurian master that used to sit there and meditate for for years and that energy is there you know there's there's other places like joshua tree had some places um i don't want to go too public on it but it's it's not giant rock but it's further out where the elders used to gather there and it's all crystal the whole mountain is crystal and boy you go there and talk about you know jumping dimensions and we actually did went there and did a ceremony and you could see pictures of us actually disappearing you could see right through us and then and then reappearing it was pretty interesting oh wow so okay this brings me to my next question what would you say most people's reasons for coming up there is and what would you say they end up leaving with well a lot of people come up because you know they're processing a lot of stuff and they need help uh understanding what's going on you know there's there's a shift happening on the planet and there's so much energy coming in right now and this is measurable nasa knows about it cosmic rays are off the scale galactic uh, i mean uh, gamma rays and uh and also uv everything the whole earth is heating up expanding and and that affects your bioelectric fields around your body and it also puts people in process where they have to let go of the old wounds and traumas and wrong conclusions from past experiences so a lot of people come up there because they're going through a process they need help they need help to clear these energies and they need tools 
to keep their energies clear and practices so they can. You know, we teach Yigong, which is the most ancient form of Qigong, and some other things that help people center in and balance, you know, achieve balance and, and things like that. So, uh, and then the classes we teach, the conferences we have up there, um, there are people from all over the world. You know, there's authors, scientists, healers, uh, people from all over the world come and lecture there. And, you know, it's just a, it's a very eclectic place for sharing. There's, there's people that have come up there and they want to turn it into this kind of retreat or this kind of retreat or, or you know, or make a church out of it or something like that. And I, I said, no, this is for everyone. You know, this is a place where everybody can come and share. And uh, it's not, it's not going to be labeled, you know, any one thing. I was just going to say, so to answer Nicole's question, people come away with a plethora of different things when they come up then. Yeah, it depends on what they need, what they're seeking. Uh, some people just want to see a ship, you know, and they come up and they see the ships and then that cracks the door. And once you crack the door, they walk through it. And then next question is, okay, who's on the ships? Hmm. And uh, and why do I feel this connection to these ships, you know? And, and it just keeps opening from there. And I think I, that's really interesting what you just said, that some people, they just want to see a ship and they don't think beyond that and then that you said there the next question is well who's on it and i think that's that's a, a fascinating journey to start yeah and it, it's sad the disclosure pr things that are going on right now is that it's the same old stuff you know they're very controlled the narrative is controlled they keep it you know in the military they keep it nuts and bolts they keep it uh, you know, they keep it in the past, you know, Roswell and things like that. And you're going, come on, guys, you know, can we go beyond this? I, we, we know they're here. They're appearing all around the world. Uh, who Now we want to find out who's on these ships and how can they benefit humanity? Or are they detrimental? And if they're detrimental, how do we take care of this? So, you know, in the interest of national security, we should find these answers out. And we shouldn't go shooting at beings that are, you know, thousands, if not millions or billions of years ahead of us with technology that could probably turn the planet into a cinder. It's not, to me, it's not wise to, uh, to go after these things aggressively with our, our primitive technology. Well, when, when has our country ever acted with wisdom in regards <laughs> to, yeah. to matters of yeah, look what, national security? <laughs> Well, that and just even going all the way back to the Indians and what we did to them, you know, we just yeah, exactly fear. There's so much fear. Yeah, my great grandmother is uh, is was actually Cherokee. I have my card. I went down and registered. So we're we're a mix. We're Scotch Irish and Cherokee, which is an interesting mix. That is interesting. But, it, uh, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite stand-up com comedians, Dane Cook. He he does this bit where he he talks about you know, like that, that, that contact, that first contact that we get, the ship opens and it's this giant native American. And it's basically <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, we're done. Good, good, good try. Alongside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, well, you know, there is some truth to that, believe it or not, because that is who is returning, you know, the pyramid builders, the, the ancient ones that are actually returning right now. And, and, you know, we haven't done a real good job with the planet, and our society is still pretty aggressive. And so, uh, you know, we're going to have to go through some major evolution pretty quick. Brian, 
Michael. Present. <laughs> Would you guys be interested in going up to Iseti and... You couldn't keep me away. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And, and you, you know, the, there are... I know I'm, you know, quote-unquote a, a, a skeptic, but, um, I mean, just listening to everything that that he's doing there and what I mean what you're about it's just it's fascinating and mind-boggling and you know that's kind of why I said when he was talking about DNA activation um, and you know you introduced me to that concept and it it sounded laughable when you mentioned it and it just and and listening to some science behind it it's it's intriguing so what you're saying is i'm really shitty at talking about dna (laughs) activation (laughs) no no you know and i and i told you from day one when when you told me that it was a phone call and the person didn't even have to touch my body which is where my dna resides does it though i could not get my mind around it but why wouldn't your dna also be in your energetic field you're, I don't know. Because your physical body is made up of energy. So I think... Well, that- here's, a, here's a good concept to think about. So we know, we, you know, scientists know there's at least 11 dimensions out there. Um, they can't measure them. And a lot of them demand physical evidence of non-physical events, which is kind of crazy. It's not logical. But we know there's at least 11 dimensions out there. And we know that we have energy fields around our body. That's been measured and everything else and a lot of the even acupuncture and things like that you know uh, deal with this you know the different nodes and energy levels I think when you stick a needle in somebody you're actually it's a little antenna that's tapping those other energies but uh, you know we know that now we know that everything goes that if you take mass and you accelerate it it's going to become energy and if you accelerate it one more step it's going to become light right and if you you can accelerate the light somehow, it's going to become consciousness. So in the ancient teachings, they say everything begins in consciousness, steps down into light, steps down into energy, and then becomes mass. And so if you could work on the level of consciousness and create from that level, you can actually alter mass. You can change mass. Now, I'm not saying these people can do it. I'm, I'm saying it is a potential. Right. Well, science backs that up. That's, and that's why yeah. I can agree with this. I mean, everything you just said, science can confirms that. Yes, we can't do it. We can't prove it. But the the equation on the chalkboard works out. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, it's interesting because you really until you can get out of this meat suit, you know, and get past your personality self, you can't experience these other dimensions. Although they are there and they're waiting. You know, they're waiting for us to connect. And, and all these other higher dimensional beings are like cheerleaders. You know, they, we call it dazzle duty. They bring their ships in, they power up, they do all these things, and people scream and yell and holler and get all excited and everything else. And, and all they're doing is saying, hey, there's a lot more going on here than what you know. <laughs> and, and, it, and again, that cracks the door. So, when the Nicole, door, this door, may or may not surprise you, but I'm a, a lifelong Trekkie. I've always uh, watched all the different, you know, Star Trek shows. And I mean, this world 
this realm of, you know, we're not just on the third rock from the sun mm-hmm. um, has fascinated with me and I can absolutely get my mind around. So that's why you can't, you know, you couldn't keep me from going up to the city. Yeah. Okay, hold ranch. on a second. The reason why I ask is because Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong. I I was just going to say it. So go you're ahead. Not wrong. Okay, December, you said December. She asked you, and you said you couldn't drag me there. I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, you just said, "Hey, there's some rant with some, you know, crazy yogi guy." I'm like, oh, "That doesn't sound exciting." <laughs> and now that I met the crazy yogi guy, I'm like, "Well, yeah, let's go." <laughs> so again, it was all in your sales pitch, just like the one nine hundred DNA activation. But think, I tell you, there's a thing about and and. Uh, I mean, there's a big difference between women and men, and women actually process in their emotional body, and they have more access to information, and, you know, they leave us men in the dark, I mean, in the dust all the time, because, you know, they've, they, we're trying to figure out what happened, and they're already off to two or three other subjects, Right. but, but by nature, women are more accepting to this, they're more spiritual, they're more emotional, they're in touch with their emotions, and things like that, so, so it's like, and and so a lot of times when you talk to men, you have to go into the science realm, and that's the only way, you know, you can. And, and that's what I, I can work on all the different levels. You know, if people want to hear the science behind it, I can go there. If they want to hear the spiritual, higher dimensional stuff, I can go there. Or whatever's necessary. Right, and that, and that's why I'm connecting, and I think that's why everybody's connecting. But Nicole, until you just now, a few seconds ago, said that this is the same thing. I had no idea. I still. Even up to this podcast recording, I did not know this is what you were talking about, you know, back in December. So, Plus, he said that in front of my son, which Alex then replied, oh, gosh, he got up. I think he gave Brian a hug and he said, I'm I'm so happy to hear you say that. Just don't (laughs) let him listen to this episode then. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should keep a headset on him and say, check this out. (laughs) You know, you know why you know why people are so involved in Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that, because that's more truth. You know, if you want to make a religion around that stuff, there's a lot more truth in that than in most of the religions on the planet, unfortunately. And also, too, in our past history, we came from the stars. We lived in some of these advanced civilizations, and it's triggering memories. And and we and we're we're really guided to these things, and we want more. We want to see what's going on and things like that because because it's actually you do have reference points deep within you on a soul level that are are really want to know you know what's going on beyond you know this kind of mundane program we have in called three D reality here on Earth. Yeah, no, that's true. I have a friend. He went through his spiritual awakening. Um, I. Th- like I think it was 2011 or 12 or something like that and it was from a movie it was from a Star Wars or Star Trek movie he was sitting in the theater watching and all of a sudden he started crying (laughs) and he couldn't understand why and from that moment all of a sudden he started getting downloads he started hearing voices and then he realized that he was Arcturian and uh-huh. now he it, it's just completely opened him up and it was because of um, one of those movies yeah, you know, if you take that guy now and say, hey, why don't you go back in time and explain to yourself then what's going on and see, and see how you accept yourself. You know, it's like, uh, it's kind of funny when you think about it, you know, it's, uh, and so, you know, it, it's like we tell ourselves to 
you know, <laughs> to take a hike, basically. But well, it, for all know, those people that don't fit in or felt like they never fit in as a kid, and you know, you have that's so how you much of that. Any tricky. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you think about this, um, the reason people mostly don't fit in, they don't feel, you know, they look at this civilization, how it behaves, what they're doing to each other, what they're doing to the planet, and everything else, and they just don't fit in. It's because you're probably not from here, and you're more connected on a soul level to your Palladian life or some other life in a higher civilization and all of a sudden when they find this out they go wait a second i'm okay i'm all right i've been all right and the whole world has been telling me there's something wrong with me okay so you guys nicole and lisa you've told me that i'm from where i'm not sure where you're from we're waiting for your akashic records to be read but we know you're a starseed yeah we know you're a starseed but i've never had that feeling i've never felt that i don't belong but you love star trek Hell yeah, but I <laughs> yeah. don't. It's it's not that I don't belong on Earth. It's just this is. I'm, Did you ever feel awkward as a kid, like that you didn't, that you were different than other kids, and you just felt like you couldn't relate to them? Well, that's or? because I was smarter than everybody. I, know, so. <laughs> I I never felt like I didn't belong. I never felt that. I um, but I always was looking up to the sky and asking questions, try, commun- trying to communicate with someone out there. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the traits, you know, you're always kind of looking up and looking at the sky and you, you know there's something up there. You know, the good news is that, you know, we don't have to go anywhere now because they're coming here. So, uh, you know, for all those people that have been waiting for so long and they know there's a bigger picture and something much bigger than what we're doing here, um, we're about ready to have a big, a big reunion. You know, that's interesting because I've always looked at the sky and I love looking at stars and constellations and Clouds. and just looking up. But again, I don't have this deep-seated feeling that I don't belong. To me, that's just – see, to me, that's a part of, I mean, math and science, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, that's just – that's something to be explored and understood and it's beautiful. And I don't feel like I belong up there i just it's incredible i mean who wouldn't want to look at the the incredible pictures that we get from the hubble telescope and it's like wow who wouldn't want to look at all this kind of stuff and to me that's the same as looking at you know beautiful paintings or looking at the deep oceans and the animals that we have in our oceans and the animals that we have in our jungles and i mean yeah but you'd be surprised to be explored you'd be surprised at how many people don't look up and I was not just going to say, oh, that. yeah, there are a lot of people that just look I'm, at their I'm so surprised. I'm always looking up. Like, yeah. I love to open the sunroof and look up when I'm driving. Yeah. And, and I say, I've said stuff to people before, and they just look at me like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you didn't see the stars tonight? Like, how can you not see this stuff? Yeah. There's, there's one thing I wanted to cover before I forget, but like a lot of Palladians that come here, um, a good analogy of a Palladian would be like, the loving, happy, joyous blonde that doesn't get it, you know, and they want to love everybody. They can't understand why somebody would actually lie to them or steal from them or anything. And they just get their butts kicked down here because they're on a different program. And a lot of them are Nordic. They're very Nordic and very, uh, their genetics are Nordic. And a lot of people are aligned with that. And they really have a hard time being down here because they're too sensitive and they, they, they're on a different frequency you know they they operate differently now now the people in the orion system there 
they're of the same origin. They're from the ancient Lyrians as well, are their, are their forefathers. And, and they're different because they went through the Orion Wars. And they went through the wars with the reptilians and everything else. So they realized that there is a dark side and that there is a dark force and you got to pay attention. And they're more grounded. And they, they do really well here on the, the Earth. Centurions? Yeah. And there's a lot of different beings that are, are like, you know, the Andromedans. They're mythologically known as archangels, basically. And they're eight to ten foot tall beings. They have magnetic light bodies. They went all the way through the physical and back. So... They're also very, you can't really mess with that, you know, they're, they're, they understand the base physical reality and they went all the way back and, you know, but, uh, and there's different groups coming here, uh, you know, like the greys don't have a sense of humor, you know, they, they don't understand a joke or, you know, or things like that, you know, they're very just mental and they, they, they don't understand the emotional body at all. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that are going on and, and to get into the bigger picture, when we look out into the universe, and we know there's at least 200 billion suns in the Milky Way, at least, with planets around them. And we also know there's over 500 billion galaxies out there. you know. And so you do the math, and you just go, why wouldn't there be something else out there? It makes no sense to me at all, con considering the numbers you know, and the odds. that, And why wouldn't there be more... Uh, advanced races out there and and well, if, if they there's take, not that's an awful waste of space from yeah yeah and, movies, and, right? and, and if they came here and we're primitive and aggressive why would they interact with us they would just observe us and they would kind of keep their distance you know which makes sense i have a question for you that i'm curious because i feel like your answer okay well i'm, I'm actually i don't want to i don't want to preface it what are your what are your thoughts on um, people who prefer the scientific way only to prove things versus people who allow the knowing to come through their body through their cellular level? Well, you're going to get to the same place, <laughs> you know. So, so. Uh, uh, you know, science will eventually take you there. Just as I just said, when you start contemplating how vast this universe is and uh, and then you start getting into the multi-dimensions and everything else, you're going to end up eventually in the same place. But, you know, even uh, Einstein said, you know, he goes, alas, I'm without all mathematics to touch upon forever. And he talks about the limitations of science and math and things. But uh, um, definitely... Uh, I think science is a, a slower pace, and most people are using their intellect, which is just a drop in the sea of consciousness. And it's a slower pace, but it'll take you there anyway. I mean, we, we have technology at our place. We have you know, third-generation night vision. We have uh, Harold Oldfield technology that we use called PIP technology. And we've actually documented the interactions with these higher-dimensional beings, and you can actually film it with these technologies. And, and so we do, you know, so, so the more you get into these technologies, you know, you're going to realize that we're not alone. And, and my brother and I were talking earlier, you know, we're sitting on these computers right now. There's all kinds of energies flying around, you know, coming into the computer, coming into your phone. All these things are happening all around us, but we can't see it. You know, because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. No, it's just outside of our ability to see it. Uh, 
it's in a different bandwidth of the visible light. Well, we can only see a small part of the visible bandwidth, and there's so much going on outside that, that once, once we understand that, and the more you meditate, the more you can see more of the bandwidth and you can experience. And the real connection comes through the heart, basically, because your heart, there's more neurons in your heart, there's more electrical activity in your heart, your soul sits right next to the heart, your soul's connected to the source. And, and so there's an old saying, you know, the mind is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And you really want to drop into the heart and connect in that way to, to the multidimensional aspects of self. And that's what we practice. Like in Yigong, it's called the absence of mind or no mind. When you're doing these practices, you're using both sides of the body. Your mind has something to do. And eventually you get into that state of no mind and then you get the big download. Did, did you say, I mean, I know you said this, I just, I, I need clarification. I never heard this anymore. There is a, there is a physical location in the body for the soul. Yes, exactly. It's, there's a little cavity there and it sits next to the heart. And th that has so much electrical potential. If you're doing heart surgery and you touch that with a metal instrument, you'll short the guy out. You know, the doctors know this, but there is a spot there and, and, that's where it sits it sits right next to the heart and it's your like a soul cavity that makes sense to me i know that i've heard you know two minds together is very powerful but when you bring two hearts together it's like times 10 of two minds yes. you know if you go to heart math uh there's a whole uh books written about this about the electrical electrical potential and, and the neurons in the heart versus the brain and there's so much more potential there in the heart than, than the brain, you know. So we've kind of been told, taught backwards that, you know, that unfortunately Atlantis, that's what happened with Atlantis. They just went into technology and then they started using it to control and dominate others and power over others. And then they, they end up collapsing the whole system because they, they got out of balance. And the Lemurian side of it, they were more heart-centered. They saw the creator in all creation. You know, they they were under the law of one, and they they operated on a different thing. And and uh, uh, so you know we're kind of going there now, but I think we're not going to do the same thing we did in Atlantis. So how do you really know when you're operating from the heart versus the mind? Is it just more well, through your feelings, or what? What is it exactly? What is well, it? when you when you meditate, you end up there basically. Your mind. I'll tell you a secret about meditation. You cannot stop the mind. Forget about it. You can't. It's going to run. But you don't stop it. You let it run. It'll run out of gas. You sit there and let it run. And all these thoughts and weird things come up. You just observe it. Let it run. And then it runs out of gas. But you focus on the heart while you're doing this. And you focus on love and joy and bliss, the higher frequencies. And then all of a sudden you're on the next level. And it's going to run there for a little while. And then it's going to run out of gas. And then you go to the next level. And, and that's really the secret behind meditation. Because if you're trying to stop the mind, your ego's involved. You're trapped in the ego because the ego thinks it's doing it. And it, it's not about doing, it's about surrendering and, and just releasing, let, letting it go, you know, letting it run its course. Yeah, I'm so, you know, I wrote a blog about that very topic about why stilling the mind isn't working for you. And mm -hmm. I just, my, my take on it, 
was that I just feel like the energies are so much faster here now that if we try to still our mind, we're going against the very flow of energy and it's not working for us and that there's so much more creative flow that comes and when we just move into that allowance state, what you were just talking about, like let it run as mm-hmm. opposed to the ego trying to control everything. Is and that also, the mind or the brain that you're trying to really stop? Well, both, you know, both the, the mind exists. Well, the brain is separate, you know, it's just a receiver and, and transmitter and, uh, you know, a big blob of fat, basically. <laughs> but uh, but uh, your, your mind actually exists outside of that. Well, that's good advice for meditation, you know, just because I'm like that, you know, my, it's really hard to stop it. And, and I've been practicing, you know, meditation for a while and I know enough not to get trapped in those thoughts and just kind of let them go. But you're, you're absolutely right. Once you kind of sink into that just feeling of bliss and love and gratitude, and then all of it does sort of just dissipate. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's times like I'm down in Mexico right now and, uh, and there's, there's sometimes you go into town and, and, you know, I usually go out away from town and there's a kind of secluded beaches and I'll do my Yigong practices and I meditate and I might jump in the ocean. And, and if I don't do that, I feel like crap, you know, I feel heavy and lethargic and, and everything. It's a, it's amazing if I don't take that time to just really get centered in and release, you know, the, the other stuff, you know, happening and, and even just taking a break from Iseti, you know, I come down here and recharge, you know, cause when I'm at Iseti, I'm doing back to back, uh, counselings and, and, uh, doing workshops and meditations and, you know, plus, you know, half the time I have a shovel in my hand. You know, I, I do all the, the grunt work too there as well. Okay, before yeah. you, sorry, Lisa, go ahead. I was just going to say, you definitely have to just stop and let yourself relax. Uh-huh. And you can make a, you know, I was meditating once and I was meditating, connecting with Baba G. And I said, what's the most powerful thing I can teach people here? You know, what's the best way to get people to open up? And he said, put a shovel in their hand, you know. And and I didn't understand what he was saying at the time. But anytime you do something repetitious, like a repetitive act, um, your your mind has something to do. Mm -hmm. And and everything can become a meditation, you know, washing dishes, anything, you know, you know, sweeping, all of that can become a meditation. And when you give your mind something to do, then then uh, that distracts the mind. So the other information can come in. That's so true. You know, true. it's funny. I've, sorry, Nicole. No, I was just gonna say because Michael, Michael runs a lot, and he finds that like just something that really grounds him and brings him, like, mm-hmm. brings him into center, right, Michael? Yeah, running and exercise in general, but also just driving. I mean, I I have like long drives almost daily, and so I usually have two or three hours in the car daily, and so I find time to <laughs> zone out. I like how you explained. I think out of all of our guests and even including Nicole and Lisa, you explained how to, if you're starting to the meditation, how to do it correctly with your way of saying, you know, eventually your mind's going to run out of gas. You're going to just not necessarily think about all the things. And, and I think a lot of people's frustration, mm-hmm. including mine at the beginning, was really just trying to quiet the mind. I hate when people say it's like quiet the mind. It's like It's like when you're going through depression and people are like, oh, no, just, just be happy. 
you know, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't work that way. And so, so that was a very great, uh, a good way of just helping myself to actually go, yeah, that makes sense. That will, so you don't beat yourself up too. If it's like 15 minutes into a meditation and you're still thinking about like, you know, some, you know, I don't know, random event in your life that, that means nothing. So anyway, that's that, I'm, I do appreciate that. As far well, as run, running does that, running, you know, when you get into that zone, when you're running and all of a sudden you're just like, and you have all this extra energy and you're just cruising, that's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely started off meditating through running and other things like just painting, like actually I'm painting our house right now and just doing some of the, it's just such a repetitive thing, you know, and. You, I can do it for like four hours and just really enjoy it. Like I don't mind at all doing these things. It's very relaxing to me. It's, you know, it's all in your head. We have, sometimes we have, uh, I have some great volunteers up there and we have a lot of people that come and help out. And, you know, sometimes they get into a funk and go, I'm not doing this anymore. And I go, it's all in your head, you know, and I'm doing this and I'm doing, you know, all this stuff. And it's just emotional issues coming up. But the reality of the fact is that, you know, it's like, it's, I, like I start up, you know, early in the morning and work till late at night. And, uh, because I love what I'm doing and I'm aligned with my soul purpose and, and I, I really enjoy it, you know, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if I'm digging a ditch, you know, or gardening or moving stones or, or whatever, you know, so, and, but I, I know it, it's just, it's just a mindset, you know, you can, you can feel victimized or you're too much is happening or, or, you know, you, all these issues come up, parental issues, things like that. And it's just, you know, once you let go of that, you just cruise. It, life becomes much easier. It's like karate kid, wax on, wax off, wax on, yeah. off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, do you have a couple more minutes to talk about one more thing? Sure. Okay. I wanted to ask you, um, you have said that, at your um, Aseti Australia ranch that they're now having Pleiadians show up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Peter uh, and Solrita, and they have uh, Peter Slattery. And actually, it's Solrita Slattery now because they just got married. But uh, they're having amazing, they're getting amazing footage, you know, just like we are at Aseti. And they're East Eddie Australia, and the reason I chose them to be East Eddie Australia because they they have their hearts there. You know, they're very focused, they're very loving, and they're very you know enlightened too at the same time. And they're getting the most amazing footage of ships coming. I, I was staying at their house in Melbourne, and we go out at night, and the ships are just everywhere, cruising right over their house. And uh, and plus we went in the outback, and we, we traveled all over up and down the coast doing lectures. And everywhere we went, we had ships, and we were hanging out with the elders there, the Aboriginal elders, and we had ships come flying right over our heads, and we, it's all on, in a documentary. But, uh, you know, they're, they're having, um, we have the same thing too, but they're actually getting incredible photographs of these higher dimensional beings, these Palladians actually showing up in their house. And, uh, and they have a lot of other photographs. And I... And I, where they took the picture was the same room I stayed in while I was there, so I know exactly where that picture was taken. And uh, and these guys are so they're they're, you know, their integrity levels are off the scale. They wouldn't fake anything, you know. And you can tell it's already been analyzed, and you can tell it's not, you know, it's not any CIG or anything else. 
Wow, that's incredible. Um, I mean, to me, I'm just, it's just so exciting to, um, it's just so exciting to hear people having these experiences and it's becoming more frequent, I feel like, more people, or maybe just more people are talking about it now. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I yeah, had... Yeah, they just had, uh, uh, what's his name? Not Handy. What's the other guy on Fox News? Tucker? Tucker, yeah, he just brought it out. He just did a big thing on UFOs. And actually, Hannity came out. But I've had CBS and ABC and all those guys come out to the ranch. And, and you know, they did an okay job, but they sanitized it. They didn't show the really good footage. But uh, hopefully we can rectify that and bring out the good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we uh, need a, a, what was it called? A field trip out to a study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> So, um, when do you guys open up? Uh, probably, you know, I'll be there April. Uh, you know, we're April, we're kind of, we're there, but we're kind of fixing things up. And every year there's a lot of storm damage and flooding. And then, you know, there's pretty usually heavy snows there. And this year it was a lot of rain. But, you know, we just have to kind of do some repairs here and there and get it ready. But we'll probably open in May. And uh, and from then on, and I always tell people, don't take my word for anything, you know, have it come up, do your own research, have your own experience, because then it's real for you. Uh, Danny Dyer came up and uh, Robbie Williams, the UK pop star, all those guys. And that's exactly what they said. They said they said uh, that, you know, you can't take this away from me. He said, I, I saw it. You know, I came here, I saw it, they, they were on UFO overload right now, and they said, you can't take that away. That's, yeah, I, I feel like, because I know, Michael, you're always saying that you just, you know, and I totally get it, you want that experience so that it's true for you, not just in your mind, but you've lived it. Mm-hmm. You've, and um, I think this yeah, place... Yeah, that's should be, actually. Yeah, and well, that's, see, that's the hardest part for this whole conversation, and that's the hardest part of of dealing with Lisa and Nicole was these beliefs of aliens. I mean, I, I believe in aliens. I just, I, I just have a hard time believing they're running around on a daily basis, and and you know, it's for some reason every damn picture I see of a quote-unquote UFO is always just blurred out just enough so you really don't see detail, at least the ones that I've saw. And so, and then now you're just saying that there's the, you know, like in the news people are coming up, but they're holding back footage. I mean, it just, it just pisses me off when I hear stuff like that. It's like, why? And, and if, you know, why are we, is the world not ready for them? Okay, I understand that if that's the 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 easy way out. But like, it's like you could easily drop a ship in like let's say Manhattan, and I'm pretty sure the whole world would start believing pretty damn quick. So yeah. they actually it, did that. They had 12 <laughs> ships right over Manhattan, and it did hit the news. They had 12 ships flying right over, and they flew right down the um, the New York Turnpike there, whatever that big. They flew ships right down this. Really just, yeah, I mean, it's like, and yet, yet we have beautiful pictures and videos of random tornadoes in random places. Yet we still yeah. can't really get something like this. It just. But who owns mind. the news? Who owns the news network? Okay, Lisa, we can go into the we can go into the conspiracy of the news and, and higher up people holding this shit back from us. Yeah. But like at the same time, it, that's what pisses me off. If that's the case. Well, and you so, know, yeah, one thing, I, yeah, I would love to see it with my two. Why? Is because there's 
there's just enough uh, discrediting sources out there to say this is all bunk. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There, well, there is a lot of there is a lot of CGI out there. There is a lot of time when you see the really clear stuff, really defined stuff. It's CGI, because most of the ships, the energy field around the ship always distorts them a little bit, and it's harder. You're not going to see like writing on the ship or a nut or a bolt or something like that. Right. And the real ships are are when they power up, they go from a physical craft more to energy. And if they're going to jump light years, they go into a light spectrum. So they raise the ship powers up and it raises its frequency, and and uh, you know it's like and then they're gone. You know they're just gone in a in a second. And and just by that, when you see that happen, you go, well, that's that's not explainable, you know, by our. Well, and the, and the, the hard, the hard thing I think for a lot of people is when when I look at the footage that you know that that I saw that you guys you know have have shared uh, your your counterpart in Australia when he came and you know that was that was a nice bit and it the the, the video footage looks the same as an iridium flare so that's mm-hmm. that's what makes it also hard. Um, well, yeah, is, but the problem is we we have that document is when the flares are, and we have these things treetop level. I mean, they're and they go right. You know, I showed a uh, footage of a ship going right into the mountain, stopping, morphing into four, back to one again. I took it down to OMSI Planetarium, and we took it to NASA, and they said it was the space station that we had mistaken <laughs> it for the space station. And I said, it's on the mountain, you know, it's on, it's, it could not maintain trajectory there. You know, it would hit the mountain, you know, it's like, there's math behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go, you know, the common sense factor, you know, basically you see this, you know, below treetop level, treetop level, you've got, you know, from 10 to 200 people on the ground screaming and yelling that all witnessed it and they have it on their, you know, you get it on three or four cameras. You know, obviously that's really hard to deny, but there are people out there that that do. You know, no matter how much evidence, you'll never be able to prove it. That's because I think inherently we want to touch it, and if I can't touch it, if I can't hold it in my hand, it's not real. I can't truly believe it. Can you touch Lisa's love? Yeah, can you touch the energy coming into your computer? (laughs) You know, you know, it's like it goes back to that. But uh, you know, a lot of these beings—they're just—they're not from this dimension. They're extremely advanced beings. But there are some that are in our dimension, and a lot of the really physical crap that people are seeing are actually a lot of government. They're back engineered, you know, through the secret space fleet, which is all another show. But yeah. Uh, well, this has just been fun. Yeah, and I and I can't tell you, James, how happy I am that you came on the show and Brian is like all 100% in ready to come up to Iseti. Like, <laughs> Great. I- yeah, sorry for calling you a crazy yogi. Oh, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I've been called worse, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you're near Mount Adams, right? Yeah, we're right, pretty much at the base of Mount Adams. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful out there. I have to admit that. All right, well, we'll talk about it. Maybe I'll go. Well, there's a river, you know, we're right on the White Salmon River, so you can go to and catch some fish or do whatever else you want to do. Hike. And windsurf, you can windsurf, you can ride, it's a rapid, it has some really good rapids on it, you can go river rafting or paddleboarding. Oh, yeah. 
couldn't do that. That's the, for sure. The whole time, all I've been wanting to ask, but I didn't think it was, you know, the right question. I just like, how's the fishing? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's uh, I can walk down the end of my driveway and get a trout if I want. And now that they took the dam out, the salmon are coming all the way up now. So that's mm-hmm. you, but. I haven't caught a salmon off my driveway, but you just go a little further down, you can catch. Uh, they call it the white salmon. It's it's kind of rare, but a lot of salmon, a lot of trout, a lot of uh, uh, oh god, I'm trying to remember what those guys are on the bottom. Sturgeon. Uh, you know, there's some bass. You go further down the Columbia River, they've got a lot of bass fishing and things. Well, James, I've got all your information on our website. So for all our listeners, if you want to find any more information about James, um, I've got all of that on our website. But just for right now, do you want to just let our listeners know how they can get in contact with you or where else they can find you? Because I know you've got your own radio show as well. Yeah, I'm on the BBS radio network. It's bbsradio.com. And uh, you can go there. And it's As You Wish Talk Radio. It's every Saturday night at 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And then we have the eSETI.org if you want to go to the website. And then there's eSETIEvents.com if you want to find out the latest events. And, but the web, eSETI.org will take you there too. And uh, on the YouTube, if you want to see a lot of this footage, you can go to uh, eSETI Stargate. Uh, it's called the official channel. Other people have copied us and copied some of our stuff, and I don't know why they do that. I kind of do know why, but it's a long story. But, but the uh, go to ESETI Stargate, the official channel, and you can see uh, a lot of the, the footage. And the radio shows are up there, too, if you want to check those out. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, anytime. Yeah. We really appreciate it. It's been great. We take skeptics up there, and we throw some third-generation night vision on them, and all of a sudden their whole world changes because, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden everything just is in your face. <laughs> no. And there's no ayahuasca tea involved. It's straight up. No, right? no, we have we have no drug policy, like no alcohol, no drugs, because you know we we want to kind of do things spiritually, and also too is first question everybody asks is we, what were you smoking, you know, and so we 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 kind of enforce that that policy. Yeah. So Nicole, about this going to Washington where there's no whiskey. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can go out for dinner and have a shot. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You, you can go dry for a day or two. Come on. I think he can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you'll be so high, you won't need the whiskey. You just come I on bet. back. Well, you'll feel it. I bet. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And to our listeners, uh, all of this information will also be left in the show notes. And uh, if you have any questions or topic ideas that you'd like us to share with you, please uh, send those into info at enlightenup.us. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll be back next time. So thanks again, James. You've been an awesome guest. We've really appreciated having you on. And maybe we can have you on again for some deeper talk on those space programs. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, thanks for having me on the show and looking forward to seeing you guys up at the ranch. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. We're gonna we're gonna do a we're gonna do a pre-show and a post-show for that. Great. Yeah. All right, everyone. Have a great night, and we'll be back next.